Yeah, I just uh, going to share real quickly just five minutes of something that's on my heart. Then we're going to have Jesse Goodwin share this morning, which I'm really excited about because Jesse is awesome and amazing. Um, when me and uh, Greg and Matt were at Burning Man, we were joking around about if we had a screamo band. Y'all know what a screamo band is? Oh, yeah. Those bands. That our first song would be Get Off the Throne and Get on the Floor. And so we're like, Get Off the Throne. Get on the Floor. But I just, that's just a good word. It's just a good word. Get off the throne and get on the floor. That's the beginning of wisdom, is the fear of the Lord. And uh, God, God is part of uh, the, the paradox of the kingdom of God is that God is both a righteous judge and a merciful father. That he saves you from the judgment that, was, that condemned you, that your sin condemned you in that the law condemned you in. But he created the law, but he, he saves you from it. Because the law was set up as a tutor to let you know how much you need God. To, to show you that, you that you need God. That you need a Savior. You need a Father. We're not, we're not orphans. You need a Father. And you need to, somebody to submit to. I'm talking about the Father. And uh, that's part of what is going on in the earth is there's nobody wants to submit to anything. But that's the first act of relationship with Jesus is you bow the knee to him and you say, I need you, Jesus. Come, come to me. I need help. And so, you know, if there's any one of you that, you know, you've never encountered Jesus, I just want to tell you that's the first step is you recognize that he's God, that he is the son of God, and that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And there's going to be a day where every single person bows the knee to Jesus, and it's just good to go ahead and do it today rather than, than wait. Um, and then uh, in Psalm 29... This is just my prayer. I just pray that the voice of the Lord goes forth this morning as it has. But we live in, off of the word of God. We live off the voice of God, whether it comes through his written word, whether it comes through his voice speaking to us, dreams, visions, whatever, however it may manifest. But in Psalm 29, it says, it talks about some of the things that the voice of the Lord does. And that as a community at, at the awakening, we come on Sunday mornings, not because we're supposed to have church. We come because we want to encounter God, and there's a way, when you gather corporately, there's a way that you encounter God that is different from when you encounter God one-on-one. Check. All right. <laughs> and so that's why we gather together, because there's a different dynamic that happens when we gather corporately to encounter him. And that's what the awakening is about. First and foremost, we, we're worshipers, and so we come to encounter God. But Psalm 29 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. 
The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. When you hear a word, a word from the Lord, it's meant to make you bow at his majesty. And it's a good thing. You can't help but bow. If Jesus were to manifest in all his glory, every one of us would be face down on the floor. If he were to fully expose himself. But he gives it to us in measures. That's why, how many of you know when the Holy Spirit comes on you powerfully, why do you uh, go out in the spirit or pass out in the spirit sometimes? Does anybody know why? Because your body can't handle it. This body that you're in right now cannot handle the glory. So it's just like shuts down. That's why God gives you a new body to handle all the glory. He gives you a glorified body. That's just a little FYI. So the voice of the Lord is powerful and the voice of the Lord is majestic. When you get a word of God, it's meant to make you bow. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon and trees in general in Scripture typically represent the pride of man. So that with one word, the Lord can break the pride of man and turn the heart of a king any which way he wants, your heart any which way he wants. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. He can, one word from God will bring the joy of the Lord. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. One word from God will infuse you with the fire of God. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. One word from God can shake you out of your wilderness season. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The, Lord, the voice of the Lord makes the deer to calf. One word from God can birth that thing that's in you right now. This is a very brief sermonette. And the strips, the forest bear in his temple, and in his temple everything says glory. Whenever you hear the, the word of the Lord, your, your body, your being, cries out glory. The, vo- the Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will bless his people with strength and bless his people with peace. And so we... We live off of the, the word of the Lord and the voice of the Lord speaking to us. And, every, and whoever preaches on Sunday mornings, it's just icing on, on top of the cake. But this is something that each and every one of you, God has called you to develop and cultivate in your own life, is to hear his voice and to live off of his voice, to live off of the word of God, to get in his word and know what he says, and then ask the Lord, show me. Open up my mind, open up my heart like Psalm 119, that I may behold wondrous things from your law. Amen? All right, Jesse, come on up here. And before she starts preaching, we're going to do a little popcorn prophecy over Jesse. How many, raise your hand, you know what popcorn prophecy is. You've, been, you've done that with us before. All right, you're going to help us out for all the people that haven't done it. But we just want to do a Holy Spirit shotgun blast, a blessing on her before she preaches. So... Popcorn prophecy is we just yell out one word that comes to mind as, as we think of Jesse and we look, up, look at her up here, and I'll start us off, and then you seasoned vets help us out, and we'll uh, graft everybody into this. So, steadfast, hope, joy, obedient, forerunner, courageous, royalty, radiant, tender. Loyalty. What's that, Zakia? Sharp. Sharp. Spoken over. 
Favor. Powerful. Grace. Mama. Individualized. Honoring. Gentle spirit. Hope of righteousness. Peace. Love. Yeah, but we'll say it again. Loyal. <laughs> wisdom. Words of wisdom. Hope. Glory filled. Yeah, I'm sorry. Somebody say something. <laughs> funny? They're here funny? She is funny. Where, I hear, what is this over here, Lillian? Strong evangelist. Beautiful. Greg, you're break. I mean, Jeff, you're breaking the rules, buddy. All right. That was a four hyphenated word. All right. Let's get a couple more. Sacrifice. Forgiven. All right. Chosen. Provision and smile. Wonderful. I can't see. It can't stop. They can't stop. Holy Spirit just got a lot of good things to say about you. Hot mama. Abundant. What's that, darling? Valid. Or was it valor? How about both? Valid and valor. (laughs) Secure. Yeah. Anointed. Firing. Yeah. All right. What's that, bud? Valiant. Valiant. Y'all are pronouncing words like I usually do. Courageous. All right. Well, Father, we just bless Jesse, and we just thank you for the wisdom of God that is in her. And just we just bless her, let her feel freedom, and let your word come forth from her in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We should do that every time somebody speaks. Like, that's awesome. It's so calming. You knew that. I needed that. That's so great. I wanted to introduce myself because there's a lot of new faces that I don't know. So I am Jesse Goodwin. I'm married to that guy right there, Phil. We've been married for a little over three years. And he's amazing. And he's actually the teacher of the family. So I was like, can you just get up there for me? And he said, no. So here I am. Um, He's an excellent teacher. So I have learned a lot from him. And I'm 29 years old. I've been at The Awakening since the beginning. And I've known Travis and Jessica for a long time. And it's just a blessing to be up here this morning. And um, I work full time. And it's just me and Phil right now and two sugar gliders. (laughs) Honey and Yoda. Those are our children right now. I always tell people that it's really great because you can leave them at home in a cage. And you can't do that with a kid. So (laughs) we're learning. We're learning to take care of (laughs) Asa. Um, we're learning to take care of something a little bit at a time. We're going to ease into the kid thing, but right now it's just little sugar gliders. So, um, so Travis asked me to speak, I guess it was about a month and a half ago, and um, I got a Voxer from him. If you're not on the Voxer train, you should be. Um, I got a Voxer from him. I'm like, oh, wow, maybe he made Jessica, like his wife. Like, what was he doing Voxer me? And um, not that Travis didn't talk to me. I'm just saying, like, I, I'm not sure how much he's on Voxer. Um, I know he does that whip thing you know, with all the, a bunch of guys. I don't know. They send whips back and forth or something. I don't know. 
a guy thing. Um, so um, I was at work, and sometimes I don't have service at work, so I don't always get messages, but I was working on my little calendar at work, like putting in dates for work and personal dates, just like trying to get my calendar settled. And I, all of a sudden my phone goes off. I'm like, oh, I have service right now. And so I started listening, and Travis was just saying that he would love if I would teach on September 27th. And I was like, uh, well, I was just thinking that I've been really ungrateful for a very long time. So I did not feel like I had anything to give away whatsoever. So I was really down on myself and I was like, I am not the person to be getting up there and sharing because I just really have nothing to give away. And then I looked down at my calendar and I had just written in on September 27th that it was the first day of Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. And, um, if you guys know Phil and I at all, then you know this. If not, then I'm going to tell you that we, um, God has developed a heart for Israel um, and us. It's just been an amazing journey. And he's really taught us a lot about the Jewishness of the gospel and just the Old Testament and the New Testament and just Jesus' Jewishness. It's been really beautiful. And he's also taught us a lot about the biblical feast. And Phil just calls them Jesus feasts now, which I think is really great because... They just so clearly display the gospel and display Jesus. So we've been celebrating these for about two, two and a half years or something like that. Um, just learning about them and celebrating them to the best of our ability. Just trying to learn more about Jesus. And it's just, it's crazy how they're displayed in that. And so Travis and Jessica know that that's a part of our heart. But Travis had no idea when he asked me that September 27th was the first day of Sukkot. Um, and so when I looked down at my calendar and I was like, I just wrote in that that is the first day of Sukkot. This is blowing my mind. I was like, okay, God, I guess you have something to say, even though I feel incredibly inadequate to get up here. Um, I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to talk on the 27th. So um, I'm just really excited that I get to talk about this today. I'm going to tie it into Sukkot because if you weren't here for the announcements, um, we are celebrating Sukkot next weekend at Travis and Jessica's house, which is going to be a ton of fun. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about me personally and tie it into Sukkot. Because I really, at first, was like, oh, that's so cool. It's the first day of Sukkot. And then as I started thinking about it, I wasn't even sure I was going to talk about Sukkot. Um, but God just had it happen to where it ties in. So um, in Psalm 100, it says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And I don't know if you know much about um, the tabernacle, which later on became a more permanent structure. And it was the temple. But the only way to get in was through gates. That was the only way you could get in. And to go further would mean that you were in the courts or the courtyard. And so for the past several years, I have not been thankful or full of praise. So I'm sure that it's similar for some of you. You just feel disconnected. You feel like you're kind of outside the camp. Um, but with God's setup, the way you enter is through the gate. And in Psalm 100, it says to enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then if you want to go further, you enter his courts with praise. So for me, I've just been... Um, just feeling very disconnected, very stuck, and I've started to realize that it has to do with my lack of contentment, um, just my discontent. So we're going to try this. Oh, you already put it up for me, Toddy. She's the best. Um, so that's what we're doing today, hopping off the train of discontent, what we can learn from a wandering people. So I'm going to talk about contentment or my lack of it. For you guys, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one that's been on this train for a while. So um, I've just really struggled to be grateful, just to be honest with you guys. Thank you. Um, and 
the things I've been really good at in the past few years have been complaining and grumbling. I'm like, I got those down. I'm really good at that. And I'm probably not the only one. But if you've had a conversation with me in the past three, four years, I've probably complained about something. So I'm sorry. Um, but it's just true. It's where it's the place that I've been in, and I haven't really connected it to the season of life that I'm in. But it's just been very true that I have been um, complaining and grumbling a lot. And it hasn't really mattered what the topic is. It might be normal stuff like, oh, I complain about my job. I'm a girl. I complain about my hair. You know, whatever. We always want someone else's hair. And maybe not for the boys, but... and Or my living space, where I'm living. Just normal stuff. But it's also been, like, stupid stuff. Like, even yesterday, I was in the car with Phil. And I'm like, oh, I hate iOS 9 for my new iPhone. And I'm like, I hate the way the apps quit on my iPhone now. And Phil's just looking at me like... I mean, he's communicating, like, that is a rich person problem. (laughs) And you need to get over it, you know? Because it's true. I'm like, there are plenty of people in the world that do not, they don't have an iPhone. They don't, they don't even know what an app is. And I'm like, oh, I, hate, I hate that my thumb has to do like this now instead of like this. What is that? Like, that is absolutely ridiculous. But I've just realized, and it's just so true, that once you have hopped on that ungrateful train, that affects every area of your life. Doesn't matter if you're just like, I'm ungrateful about my work. I'm ungrateful about the situation I'm in. I'm ungrateful I'm not married. I'm ungrateful I am married. Whatever your situation is. Because it's true. That's reality. People have different situations. It just seeps into every area of your life. So for the past several years, I've been incredibly ungrateful and very discontent, and it's shown in my life. So in preparing for today, I really wanted to find a passage that spoke about contentment. So there's a lot of really great verses about contentment, but I just really wanted like a passage, like a story that would illustrate it. And several years ago, I was reading through the Old Testament. Didn't make it through the whole thing, just in case you guys were wondering. Um, <laughs> I started it, and then I was like, oh, I, I dropped it for a while. And I'm like, I'm going to start over again. So I think I've done, like, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, like, oh, several times. I'm going to get to the rest of it eventually. But there's so much there. Um, and I re- remember that there's a story in Numbers that was pretty incredible. And a lot of times people don't like the book of Numbers. There's a lot of names in there. Um, you just read through a bunch of names. But there's a lot of amazing stories, too. And so I just remember learning this story about contentment in the book of Numbers. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background, a little bit of history about what was going on before this so we can get a picture. Um, A lot of you guys know about the story of the Exodus, you know, the Hebrews or the Israelites, whatever you want to call them. Israel didn't exist really yet, so I'm going to say Hebrews. Um, They were in bondage in Egypt, and then God went to Moses and said, hey, you're my guy. You're going to get the people, and you're going to lead them out. And Moses, y'all know, I mean, it might have been a stutter. It might have been something else. He's kind of like, I can't. You know how I talk. I'm not capable of doing that. God's kind of like, yeah, that's why I picked you. So like, let's just go ahead and do this. And he really didn't want to. So then he pulls Aaron in on the picture and Aaron and Moses end up going to Pharaoh. You guys probably know this story. And they kept saying, you know, let my people go. God says, let my people go. And then God would harden Pharaoh's heart. And Moses would be like, Dude, you told me to go ask him, but then you hardened his heart. God's like, yeah, I've actually got a lot bigger plan. And the thing is, he's so capable. He could have delivered them like that. He didn't even need Moses. He could have delivered them immediately, um, but he didn't. He had another plan. And so when I was looking through all this, and I learned this a long time ago, but then I remembered seeing it. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Just how each one of the plagues is a stab at an Egyptian god. I don't know if you guys knew that, but isn't that amazing? Like, what God did, I mean, they worshiped so many gods there in Egypt. There were so many, and so every single plague was like, that god is nothing. 
that God is nothing, that God is nothing. So in that, he's showing the Egyptians, like, I'm more powerful than your gods. And he's showing the Israelites, like, I'm more powerful than their gods. Like, I'm your God, and I'm powerful, and I'm the one true living God. So it's just, that whole story is amazing. And um, he also foreshadowed Jesus during that time. That's when Passover happened, you know, that they had to take the blood of a spotless lamb and put it on their doorposts so the angel of death would pass over them. That's where Passover comes from. And they would be able to live, and they'd be able to escape. And so then you fast forward 2,000 something years later, and Jesus dies on that exact same day as the Lamb of God, as the spotless Lamb. Like, that is crazy. Like, now his blood, figuratively, like, we believe in that. And by faith, we believe that his blood is sprinkled on our hearts, on our conscience. And we have access to God. And it used to be, you know, like, they celebrated for thousands of years. God gave them, he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost, and then you're going to be spared, by believing in this promise. And they celebrated it every year. Every single year, God gave them a command. I want you to celebrate this every year. And then Jesus comes in on the scene and he dies on that exact same day. Is that not amazing? Y'all, that is so intense to me. I'm just like, he's so detailed. It gets me so pumped up that he's capable of doing that. And just even what um, Jessica was saying earlier, Caitlin, you weren't here, but she told your lollipop story. Maybe you were, but she told your lollipop story. And it's such an amazing story to me that God just cared so much about Caitlin that he cared about the details. And so he's so detailed. And we, sometimes we think he doesn't care about us. But if you're here this morning and that's you and you're like, you know, God just doesn't see me. He doesn't care. He was able to have something last for thousands of years. And they're still doing it today thousands of years and have something happen on the exact same day at the exact same time when the normal lamb is being killed inside the temple gates. He's being killed outside the temple gates at the exact same time. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. Like, he cares about you, I promise. Like, he sees all the details of your life, and he's able to weave those together. He's able to do it throughout the whole Old Testament and the whole, old, the whole New Testament. Like, he cares about you, and he cares about the details. So, um, they're delivered out of bondage. Great. They're they're free and clear, and they're going. And then all of a sudden, the Egyptians are chasing after them. Do you all feel like that sometimes? You're like, yes, I'm finally good. And then here, they, here it comes right back running at you. Whatever your issue is, it's like running at you. So then they run to a place where they're totally stuck. We get like that sometimes. We're just completely stuck. And God's like, well, I'm going to part the Red Sea. Like, and he does something, a, a total miracle that you would never expect. So he parts the sea. They walk through on dry ground, and the Egyptians come after them, and he closes the sea. And... They're wiped out. He wipes out their enemies. So they get to the other side, and they celebrate, and then they realize they're in the desert. I mean, that's true, too. We get rescued out of something, and we're like, it's like, yes, I'm out of bondage. I'm in the desert. Like, you just have a season where you feel like you're rescued from something, and then all of a sudden you're in the desert, and you're like, what's up with that? Like, what is up with this? Why, why am I in the desert? I thought God was good. And you're excited for a second, and then you see your situation, and we start to complain. And that's... Uh, kind of what they started to do. So I'm going to go ahead and go to the next slide. Okay, so this is a map of um, the Hebrews' journey from Goshen, Egypt, um, to the Promised Land. So you see where the land of Goshen is and where Zion is. It's like a straight shot. That should have taken them like weeks, okay? Do you know how long it took them? 40 years. Because that was their route, going around and around and around and around. 40 years they were in the desert. God, that wasn't God's, like, original plan for them. Like, he was like, oh, it would be great if you would obey and listen, and we, like, we can go straight there. It's not that he wasn't giving them direction. He was like, that cloud by day, that pillar by day, and that pillar of fire by night. 
like they had something to follow. Um, so we're just going to look at the story and um, learn kind of why they were um, why they were disobedient. So why did it take forty years? Why did it take forty years? There you go. We're going to read this passage in Numbers. 11, 4 through 6, it says, Then the foreign rabble, or mixed multitude, which is cool, by the way. You notice, like, that's not just the Israelites or the Hebrews that left Egypt. There were people, there were foreigners that weren't part of them, that, were, that went with them, that were like, oh, your God seems a lot better than my God. Like, I'm coming with you. I'm coming with you. So there's going to be people like that in our lives. Like, we have our little groups, and we're like, oh, this is my group. But there may be people that you don't even expect. They're like, I want to come follow your God. So just be on the lookout for that. God took them. He said, come on. So they're on this trail with them. So the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. So that's just an interesting point to me. Um, it really spoke to me. It convicted me because I realized that the Israelites had complained plenty of times. But in this, search, this situation, it was the foreign rabble, the foreigners, the other people who were with them. So it wasn't necessarily them. It's like other people started complaining. And then Israel was like, yeah, you're right. Like, they started complaining. So, I don't want to be known as, like, someone who tempts everybody else to complain. Because that's what those people did. And um, I'm just learning that. Like, if I complain, then other people, it's going to be easy for other people to complain, too. So, they were complaining. Um, And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, even though they were slaves. They're like not really in their right mind when they're saying this. They used to be slaves. Like, they might have had meat, but they were, they're, like, forgetting what God's rescued them from. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks. I don't know what that is. Sorry, didn't look it up. Onions and garlic we wanted. I'm assuming it's good because it's on this list. I, tried, I like to try a leek. Um, but now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. So uh, I put like so they were ungrateful, they were complainers, and they were fearful. That was their situation. They were ungrateful, they were complainers, and they were fearful. And they said, all we ever see is this manna. By the way, the manna was like cake. I mean, how many people eat cake for 40 years and survive? That's insane. It's like, and I mean, who wakes up in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm in the, I live in the desert, and cake just fell on the ground. And they're complaining about it. They're complaining about it. Because like, well, we'd, like, we'd rather go back to slavery. I mean, that's true for our lives, y'all. Because we're like, remember four years ago when... And Jessica and Travis have talked about this. And they talked about it with me because I've been like, I just used to like my life better when... God's like, no, move, move forward. You know, even what Travis was saying, like, think about what God is doing in your life. Not about like, oh, this is my circumstance and this is what's going on. So, yeah, they were ungrateful. They were complainers. And they were fearful. And I think a lot of times it's easy for us to look at the story and be like, dang, what was their problem? They'd been delivered out of bondage. God parted the Red Sea for them. He did miracle after miracle. They woke up to cake on the ground. God took care of them. And they complained about it. But it's us. That is absolutely a picture of us. You know, we become so disillusioned by the miracles that God does in our life every day that we become ungrateful and start to complain. We just get used to it. We're like, oh, this is just, you know, this is normal. God always does this. And we take it for granted. And we start to complain. Um, and we begin to reject the blessings that he's currently giving us. And we want to forsake those for something else. I mean, even 
I mean, so many circumstances in my life, I'm like focus on, oh, this is my problem. This is what's going on. Instead of being like, I need to be grateful for all the things that he has given me. So I am really wanting to change my mentality. And I'm hoping that some of you guys in here are going to want to do that too. And I think a lot of times we cry and we beg and we complain to God over and over and over. And then he's finally like, okay, I will give you what you want. So we're going to see what happens to the Hebrews when they do that. They were ungrateful, complainers, fearful. All right, here's the next one. Next couple verses. And say to, this is the Lord speaking, and say to the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. You were whining, and the Lord heard you when you cried. Oh, for some meat, we were better off in Egypt. They're probably thinking, yes, he's going to give us what we want. This is awesome. And then it says, now the Lord will give you meat, and you'll have to eat it. And like, That's what we wanted. Great. And it won't be for just a day or two or five or 10 or even 20. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. For you have rejected the Lord who is here among you and you have whined to him saying, why do we ever leave Egypt? That's a little intense, but I think it's funny. I'm like, that's hilarious. And then I'm like, oh man, that's me. That's me. But he's just like, this is not the best thing for you. But I'm going to let you have it, and you're going to see, like, it is not going to satisfy you at all. Um, so let's see. What's the next slide? So why did it take 40 years? Ungrateful, complainers, fearful. Here they reject God. It says, like, they rejected God, and they were disobedient. So these are reasons why they're wandering around in their desert season for 40 years because of all these reasons. Um, so the next thing. So they were like the Egyptians, So God's plan was not just about getting the Hebrews out of Egypt. We all know he was capable of that. But it was also about getting Egypt out of them. Y'all need to hear that. That is important. We think like, oh, God's got me out of this whole situation. Like, this is so great. But he wants to do a work in your heart. It's about your heart. It's really important. Um, You know, that that is symbolic of their old way of thinking. Like, they had a way of thinking. For hundreds of years, they were in slavery. So God had to get out that old way of thinking, whether it's depending on other gods, whatever it was. Like, he had to get their old way of thinking out. So the way that he did that, he's like, all right, let's go on a walk. We're going through the desert. Let's see. We're going to see how long this takes for you guys to learn to trust me. Um, So God gave them what they wanted, but did it satisfy them? No, it did not. But he knows what we need and when we need it. And in their case, it's not that he didn't want to give them what they wanted. So he made a promise to them in Leviticus 20, 24. He said, but I said to you, you will possess their land and I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord, your God, who has set you apart from the nations. So he was planning to give them milk and honey and yes, literal milk and honey, but it's, that's a figurative thing. That's everything they could, everything they ever needed, but also like Jessica was saying earlier, everything they could want, everything they could want. He cared about them. Like she said earlier, that those are his kids. He's their God. He's their dad. And Deuteronomy, it says like, I carried you like a son. He carried them through the desert all the while they're kicking and screaming the whole time. I mean, y'all parents know that you're like trying to get your kid out of a situation. They're like, no, complaining the whole way. They have no idea what you're doing for them. And this was that same, that same situation. So he promised them the land. He promised them that they would have everything that they needed and everything that they wanted. He wanted to give it to them, and it just wasn't the right timing. He had to do something in their hearts. So 
it was more about what he was doing in them than where they were going. That was so important. And I just think that God's timing is so key here because he wants, even for us, he wants to give us things. He wants to give us good things. But sometimes at that time, it's not the best thing for us. Um, He wants us to learn that he is the most satisfying thing that there is. It's not those things that we're craving. It's not the next season of life. When I finally, if you say that to yourself, you probably need to repent today for discontent. You know, if you're saying, oh, if only this, I can't wait until I do that. So I'm, I'm with you and I'm trying to learn not to. But that was, that was the deal. I mean, he really wanted their hearts. Um, so what they did was they camped out in things called sukkahs. Temporary dwellings. They did that every day, every night. They were in temporary dwellings. They had ungrateful hearts. They had fear about the future. They were idolatrous. They complained all the time. They were disobedient. But God. I love this. But God. So God's presence went with them. That's Exodus something. It's not on there, but it was. Um, God's, you know, they had the pillar of fire. His presence would come down in the tabernacle. His presence was with them. Even though they were disobedient, he was still with them. God provided water and manna. He provided water when they needed it. They'd be like, oh, we're complaining. And all of a sudden, they'd come up on an oasis in the middle of nowhere. God does that for us, too. We're like, we need shade, and he gives us just enough shade. We need help. We need bread. He gives us daily bread. I mean, the manna was every day. God God told them, don't take enough for the rest of the week. Take enough for today, because if you don't, it's going to spoil. That's so true for us. We have to wake up and be like, what? I'm going to do what God's called me to today. I'm going to receive what God has for me today and not try to carry something from one season into the next season because it'll spoil. It'll spoil. So he gave them manna. He provided direction for them. Moses, it says over and over and over. Jeff, I love when you're here. Just, I'm like, now that I'm preaching, I'm like, man, that's good. I'm just talking all the time. Um, God provided direction. He taught over and over again. It says that God talked to Moses as a friend. God spoke to Moses. God talked to Moses as a friend. Moses was their leader. So God would communicate with him. But God would tell him, like, this is exactly what I want you to do. And then he would go and he would talk to the Hebrews and he would tell them, this is what God's saying. And he gave them his law. That's not up there, but that's so important. And if you want to have your mind blown, you should look at the whole Mount Sinai thing in the Ten Commandments because all of those elements are actually a Jewish wedding. It's crazy. So people think it changes your perspective on the law. It will because you're like, oh, God's just all about laws. No, he's not. He's about freedom. And he married them at Sinai. That's what that was. It was a covenant that he made with them. He married them there. He wasn't just trying to throw rules on them and burden them. He was trying to give them freedom. And he, he upheld his end of the deal, his end of the covenant. He provided discipline for them. It's in Deuteronomy 4. I mean, Moses talks about it. He's like, you know, God disciplined you. And he did, but he disciplines those he loves. With children, those of you that have kids or work with kids, you've got to discipline them. In order to shape their hearts, you have to discipline them. So that was a good thing. That was a really good thing that he did that. So God is a covenant keeper. Praise the Lord, y'all. Praise the Lord. In 2 Timothy 2.13, it says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Amen. We don't determine God. You don't. You do not determine God's character. God is who he said he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So when he says, I'm going to do something, guess what? He's going to do it. 
And so that's important for us because he kept his promises to the Hebrews, to the Israelites. He's keeping his promise to the Jews today. If he didn't do that, then how can we think that he's going to keep his promises to us? So, like, he's faithful there, so he will be faithful to us. That's just who he is. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. That's just who he is. So it's really exciting, really exciting. So they're in the desert. They're camping in these sukkahs, hanging out, and God's delivered them from all kinds of stuff. And... Back in Leviticus, he gives them this command about Sukkot, which is what we're about to celebrate next weekend. The Feast of Tabernacles. So here we go. But on the 15th day of the seventh month, that's actually tonight. So you might have heard Phil say this before, but in Genesis, it says there was evening and there was morning the first day. So on, like the, on God's calendar, the day starts at night. So if you've ever read that and you're like, that was weird, and you just breeze over it, well, there's a reason for it. So actually tonight at sundown is when Sukkot starts. So God's days go like that, which is really neat. I've heard it said that it's like the first thing you do during the day is rest. So like, and you just rest in God and then he prepares the day for you. Isn't that cool? Cool, right? Very cool. So on the 15th day of the seventh month, welcome, that's where we are. When you've gathered the produce of the land, you are to observe the festival of Adonai. That's the Lord, but that's his name. Adonai, seven days. The feast is to be a complete rest, and the eighth day, the first day is to be a complete rest, and the eighth day is to be a complete rest. So if you're taking a nap this afternoon, good job. You are totally observing this feast, correct? <laughs> On the first day, you're to take choice fruit, palm fronds, thick branches, and river willows. I don't have those. I'm sorry. And celebrate in the presence of Adonai. It's so cool. Y'all need to Google the videos. The, the Jewish people go crazy. They grab all the, and those are so symbolic. I can't go into it because we don't have time, but you should look it up. The, sim, like the symbolism behind it is crazy. So they like shake all these things. They like grab it all and shake it before the Lord. They just, they go crazy. Um, it's really neat because it kind of sounds like rain and they're grateful to God that God's like giving them a harvest. So it's like, thank you God for rain. Thank you. It's not, so it's just so cool. Okay. Um, celebrate for seven days. You are to observe it as a feast to Adonai. Seven days in the year is a permanent regulation, generation after generation. Keep it in the seventh month. Here we are, seventh month. Next. You are to live in Sukkot. That's plural for sukkah. Sukkot for seven days. We're not doing it for seven days. Not everybody can take off work. It's all right. Every citizen of Israel is to live in a sukkah so that generation after generation of you will know that I made the people of Israel live in Sukkot when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, your God. Thus Moshe, sorry, I have the complete Jewish version, Moses. Thus Moses announced to the people of Israel the designated times of Adonai. And even in Genesis, it talks about how God set the moon and the stars in place for like appointed times. It's kind of cool. Kind of cool. Yeah, and tonight there's a blood moon, so... I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about. Thank you, Kimberly. If you want to see something really amazing, God decided that a blood moon would be a really great idea on Sukkot. He also did that on Passover last year. So, he's very detailed. He put the moon and the stars in place. So, it's really cool. So he he said to do this. Isn't that awesome? He like put celebrations in place in the year. It was like, hey, celebrate, have fun, let's do this. So why did God tell him to celebrate? God gave them this time of celebration because he wanted them to remember that he was faithful to them even in their unfaithfulness. Every year it's like, I did it. I did it. You didn't do it. I did it. I did it. He wanted them to remember throughout all generations that he was a covenant keeper, that he, kept, that he keeps his promises. 
He wanted them to remember that he alone is trustworthy because he delivered them out of the bondage from the Egyptians. And he wanted them, to, and I think that he wanted them to remember because when you're celebrating, you can't complain. That's why I need it. That's why these feasts have been so good for me because when I'm focused on them, like I can't complain about anything else. I'm like, this is awesome and I'm having fun and I'm rejoicing and I can't complain. So I think that's another reason why he decided to do that. that he didn't, he wanted them to celebrate. So they couldn't complain. Travis agrees. The reverend. Okay, so why are we going to celebrate? We are doing, we are going. That's should be going. We are going to celebrate the fact that God is faithful and can be trusted and is a provider for us. God was faithful to provide for the Hebrews in their desert season, so we can trust him to provide for us too. Some of you guys are in that desert season. I've been in it for a long time, but some of you guys just need to hear that. You know, like he's faithful in your desert season. God was concerned about the hearts of the Hebrews. He wanted them to trust him and to be content with what he was doing. He's also concerned about our hearts, about our holiness, about our relationship with him. It's all, it all comes down to relationship with him. That's like what's, it, that's what's most important to him. He'll do whatever it takes to get us to a place where we can receive the blessing for ha- he has for us. It's really not about him not wanting to give us something. It's we have to be in that place where we're able to receive it. We're able to um, inherit it and take it on. So it took them 40 years. It took them 40 years. Okay, how do we pre- prepare? We repent. This is how we're going to re- prepare for next weekend. Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, was on Wednesday. So this whole biblical calendar is amazing. It's beautiful. And God called people to repent on Yom Kippur. And then you fast forward a little bit, and he's like, hey, repent. And now you're in a place to where, let's party. Let's celebrate with me. Like, so now you're in a right relationship with me. Like, we're going to celebrate, and we're going to party and go crazy. So we are in the middle of the fall feast. The spring feasts are happening in the spring. Yep, they're happening in the spring. And... Again, if you want to look up crazy stuff, just looking at the prophetic timeline of these feasts every year and just how it's like redemptive history. It is God's redemptive history. From him, literally, he's fulfilling every single one of these feasts on the day that they're happening. So Passover, he did it on Passover. And he goes into the ground, and then he comes up. It's first fruits. I mean, he just like, he, and then 50 days later is Pentecost or Shavuot, which is the same day the law came down from Sinai. That's the same day the Holy Spirit descended. Isn't that cool? Like, the law came down on Pentecost or Shavuot, and then you fast forward, and the Holy Spirit comes down that exact same day. They're celebrating the fact that the law is given. God's like, do this, do this, celebrate it, celebrate it, and he's like, boom, and he infuses it with the Holy Spirit. That's so crazy. And then there's a long gap in time every year. We have, like, several months where there's not really any feast going on, and then all of a sudden it's like boom, 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 and it happens again. My thought is, this, I mean, I don't, it, it's not necessarily biblical, but I think it's kind of cool is that just like redemptive history, God fulfilled things like bam, bam, bam. He, he did Passover, and he did first fruits, and he, he did all these things. And there's been this long gap of time where everyone's like, okay, it's God? Like, God's been moving, but like, what's going on? Like, what's the deal? Well, I think it's just going to happen bam, bam, bam again. Like, I think that literally every year is a look at, like, the prophetic timeline of history. So I think that's cool. So we've got to become grateful in order to inherit the blessing that he wants to give us. So this is cool to me. So Burning Man, Greg, Travis, and Matt Wetmiller, they just went to Burning Man, which is like 68,000 people in the middle of the desert camping out. And they went to minister to people and to love on people there. And Travis was saying last night that people, when they arrived, that people would say, welcome home. 
And he was just saying, how sad is it that people only have a home one week of the year? They go there and they're searching for something. Um, But I think that what they have is a biblical concept because God put it in place. So we're going to redeem it next weekend. We're going to take it back next Friday and Saturday. I mean, these people, they want to belong. I'm like, God's idea was to camp out in the desert. That was him. He says to do that. So I just think, like, there's something in their hearts that really are, like, they're longing for that community. And so um, we're really grateful that they went and ministered there. And now they get to come home, and we're going to get to do it with our people. So um, we're going to eat together. We're going to worship together. We're going to camp out together. You can come to various things, and Jessica was talking about it earlier. And you can join the Facebook group. I think it's just Sue Cook 2015. Is that right, Phil? It's on Athens Combined. Um, and see how to get tickets for whatever part you want to come to. And church will be at the gays house next week. We've said that. But if you weren't here, it's at their house. We will not be here. You don't have to get a ticket to come to church. So the rest of the weekend, we're like covering food and stuff. But you don't have to pay to come to church next week. So if you're just coming to church, you can just come to church. So there's a suka. That's the one we built last year. PVC and tarp. And we strung lights and hung up our Israel flag. And my sister was asleep in it when a tornado alarm went off, and it caved in, and we all ran inside, and it was, it was quite an event. But we built that last year, and there's like 15 of us that tried to eat in it. We were, we were a little cramped, so we're still figuring out what to do this year. But that's our temporary dwelling that we built last year, but your temporary dwelling can, be, can just be a tent, which is definitely fine. Um, so we'd love for you to come. We'd love for you to celebrate with us. And... So what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to have a time where we're just going to repent. And it may be that you're repenting because you've been discontent. Um, You have a lack of contentment in your life. You've just been complaining like me. I mean, that's what I'm going to be repenting from is just complaining and grumbling. Because after reading the story, it's like, wow, they could have gotten there so much faster. They've been a thankful people. And God's timing is perfect. Travis and Jessica like to say, like, God is, he misses a lot of opportunities to be early, but he's never late. Is that what you guys say? So... You know, you may be like, man, this is taking a long time. But if you'll be grateful and you'll be thankful in the midst of your circumstance instead of complaining, you're probably going to get to where you wanted to go a lot faster. Um, It's not going to take you 40 years. It may take you a couple weeks because it could have taken them just a couple weeks to go like this. But again, they were just going like that. So we're going to just spend some time um, in repentance this morning. And we're going to have the ministry team over here. And if you guys want to go ahead and head over there, you can. Um, When you're just going to spend some time repenting, and then next week, we're going to celebrate. We are going to celebrate. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to learn a little bit more about Sukkot and how it ties into everything, and thank you, Drake. Didn't talk to you about this earlier, but thank you. Um, So Drake's going to play, and we're just going to have a time where you guys can just ask the Lord if there's anything in your heart that you've been complaining about, that you've been discontent about, because we just want to be able to accept life where we are right now and be grateful for the life that we have and not forsake it and not wish we were doing something else, not wish our life away. Um, So again, if you've been in that place where you're like, I just wish that, or if only, or any of those types of statements, then this is probably a good opportunity um, to repent. So Drake's just going to play some music, and then if you guys need ministry, If you need prayer for anything, if it doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about, that's definitely fine. And you guys can go receive some ministry from the prayer team. And I'm just going to pray. And then we'd love to see you next week. Jesus, I just thank you that um, you have been revealing yourself for quite a long time. 
And so God, I just pray that this morning that there'd be someone here that you would reveal yourself to for the first time. You're in the business of revealing yourself. We thank you for that. So God, I just ask for salvation. Um, I thank you for the salvation of the Israelites, how you delivered them. I thank you for how you deliver us all the time and we just become ungrateful. We forget, God, we forget. It's so easy to forget what you've done in our lives. We get used to it. I pray that we wouldn't take your presence for granted. We wouldn't take the things that you do for us daily for granted. That you would just um, bless us with a gift of repentance today. That we would just be able to come before you, God, and just be cleaned up and restore that right relationship with you. And just become a grateful people so that we can receive what you have for us. God, I know you have something great for this city, but I also know it starts with us. You said, if my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their sin. God, that starts with us. So I pray that we would humble ourselves and pray and turn from our sin. Then it says that you will hear from heaven and heal the land. That you will do that, God. It includes all the people in this city. So I pray that you would prepare us, that you would do what it takes to prepare our hearts in order to receive the harvest, in order to receive the next season um, that you've got for us. I just ask that um, whoever's here that's feeling like they're in a desert place, they felt disconnected, they felt stuck just like me, that you'd refresh them today, that you would give them a fresh perspective um, and just remind them of something that they can be thankful for. In Jesus' name. or if you need to repent just do that as we worship but Drake's going to lead us and uh, repentance is the sweet place with God because it's, it's like Jesse says it's God wants to get us in that place to be able to celebrate but repentance comes with that uh, he, and he always brings comfort in that place of repentance so I pray for God to give me the spirit of repentance because that's the place I want to live in so we're going to worship uh, for one song, but just worship or do business with God, whatever you need to do, and uh, we'll go from there. So.